Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's survival show. Helping you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. This is a no tin foil hat podcast on survival and prepping. I just keep things rooted in common sense, folks. You know, I think that if we focus on common sense and don't go off into all that wacky stuff that we can you know, make a lot of headway in getting ourselves prepared. And that's what we talk about on this show. This episode is about teamwork. I recently interviewed Joe and Dave from Northeast Texas. Now, they're both on the forum, Mexican Joe and Super Dave. That Those are their forum names on today's Survival Show Forum. And uh, they've got some pretty good stuff to say on teamwork, prepping as a team. Now, these two guys are real good friends, and they prep together, and that's pretty cool. So they're practicing their survival, and they're learning everything, and they're, 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 they're holding meetings and all that kind of stuff together, and they've also got a group of people. they got kind of a survival group put together, kind of a prepper team, uh, if you will. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and get straight to the interview with uh, Dave and Joe from Northeast Texas. Well, my guests for this episode joining me from Northeast Texas, Joe and Dave. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate you guys. You know, um, I first got an email, and and uh, and Joe spends a lot of time calling into the voicemail, which is some good stuff. And I promise I'm going to put – I've got them all saved. I'm going to be putting them on the show pretty soon. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you're a busy guy. <laughs> and uh, well thank you so uh just for, for listeners benefit so they know who you guys are uh joe your your username on the forum is mexican joe right right and dave i think you're on there as super dave that's it that's what everybody calls me all right sounds good well i brought you guys on to talk about building a prepper team um we've had glenn tate to talk about it now we're going to get your experience and listen to you know, how you guys put together some networking. I know quite a bit because Joe's been sharing it with me, but let me ask you the first question. How, how did you guys get it started, or, or what got it started? Well, we could think, uh, I got a copy of Patriots from James Wesley Rawls. Um, I've been raised, my mother was uh, in England during World War II, and I've been raised along the prepper guidelines growing up without realizing it. Um, I got into that book, and I, it really opened my eyes, and that was about the time that uh, our current CIC was elected the first go-around, and seeing the writing on the wall, I read the book, I gave it to Joe, and really pressed Joe to read it, and, you know, I said, it's a fictional book, but there's a lot of fact that you can read into there, and Joe, Joe and I both being prior military, you know, we were able to pick that pick that out pretty pretty quickly. Um, and that just pretty much got the ball rolling. Okay, so that's what got the ball rolling. Now, what what's the purpose of of your team? What's your what's your primary mission? What's your focus? Um, to survive whatever happens, to make sure that we're prepared for whatever happens. Whether you say it's, I mean, we all. After I read the book, uh, I started getting into it, and I started doing research. I was recently single. Or suddenly single, however you want to look at it. Suddenly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just, I had the time, and it gave me something to do to occupy my mind. And um, Dave, everybody looks at their different scenarios for what could happen. Uh, Dave's initial one was uh, economic collapse. Um, I tended to, because I was reading a lot more, tended to grab on to uh, possible or potential 
uh, EMP. And then we had other people who had other possible scenarios, but the scenario really didn't matter because the the route you get to making it through it is the same. That's a good point, you know. I mean, a prepper, a prepper is a prepper, regardless of what the scenario is. That's a very good point, you know. The earthquake, a flood, yeah. I mean, a hurricane. You still have to prepare. Yeah. Well, and you know, I like your point. No matter what the disaster is, the journey of going through it fairly is is pretty much the same. There's a lot of similarities, no matter what you're going through. Right. I mean, even if you say that you're going through a, you've just gone through a hurricane. You know, okay, well, you know, I've got all these people running around. They're trying to get my food and this and that. You know, there's no electricity. You still have to barter for stuff. You still have to deal with, you know, what food you have stored and how to deal with that. And then you have to deal with your own security on that. I mean, look at Katrina. People had to deal with their, all of that. And it, that, that might as well have been an EMP. Yeah, you're right. Well, you know what? I've been getting some emailed questions. And... Since since Glenn and I started talking about building a prepper team, one of the questions I got quite a bit was, "How do you get it started?" So, if you guys don't mind, take a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what you, at least what you can tell us. How did you get it started? Uh, that's really kind of easy. It's one step at a time. It's one can at a time, one bottle at a time. It, it, if if you look at the lists and lists of lists of stuff that supposedly you need, it's very overwhelming. I mean, it's just a monstrosity of a task to try to undertake. So you just take the analogy of, of you know, how do you, need, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And, I mean, I started out with, and I didn't have a lot of money because I was going through my stuff. And But every time I would go to the store, I'd look over and I'd say, hey, look, two cans of corn for a dollar. You know, I'll get me two cans for the house, but hey, for another dollar, I can pick up two cans for my storage. Exactly. And that just... Within months, I'm talking two or three months, I had an entire closet full of food and water and all of that kind of stuff. So it really wasn't hard. And then once I realized that I'd only been doing this for six or eight months and David come over and we'd hang out after work and all of a sudden I'm like, man, come here and look at this. And he's like, well, how long have you been doing this? I'm like, just since you gave me the book two months ago. <laughs> and, it, and it really did. it, and, and then it just became... It's not a hobby. It's a lifestyle change. It is. That's what I like to say. It's a lifestyle. It's, you know, you become a different person when you do it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm not. And we, we were all, in, you know, being from the military, we were into the guns and we went through that phase. And now we're probably really way out of the gun phase and the weapons phase because we've got it. Uh, it's all gone through the roof and price. We've got everything we theoretically need. And now we're into the other phases with. The in-depth gardening, um, livestock, and you just keep going and going. And then once you get through a phase, you're like, okay, what's next? And you grab the next phase. And maybe this, maybe it's winter time, and that's not a good time to do gardening. Okay, let's do something that we can do for this season. And you just keep going. Uh, food stores, research, reading. Um, your podcast really took me away because I'm like you. I'm a road warrior. Yeah. I'm out there, we're in a similar industry, uh, and I'm out there on the road. I could be out eight hours a day just on the road. Yeah, me too. Okay, well, that's eight hours a day of classroom time. Because uh, when I'm done with, you know, today's survival show, then I get to go listen to Handgun World. 
And when I'm done with the Handgun World, I go listen to Spearco. And I just, I, I mean, there's a couple of them that I don't like, but the ones I do like, I listen to every day. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now, don't listen to too much of me, or you might want to put a gun to your head. <laughs> so, well, but thanks for the compliment, Joe. So, Dave, how how did you guys find people? How did you bump into people to start to get together with and, and prep together? Well, I think a lot of it is Joe and I. Joe and I have been friends. Well, we call each other brothers. I mean, it, you know, it's just we, we're, we're that close. We've hunted together and been through a lot of stuff together uh everybody knows where you see one of us you'll find the other shortly um you know we have a lot of folks we interact with um i'm a very outgoing person so is joe um we like to you know make a learning experience fun um joke around humor humor is, is is the best i mean uh it's a great way of learning instead of it being being dry and mundane right. um, classroom, you know what I mean? Uh, and I just think, I think it's just more or less word of mouth, you know, folks. I mean, and we've, you know, we've also, we've reached out, you know, I found, I've found several other folks uh, that are into the same thing. Well, I, I'll, being the outgoing person I am, I'll, I'll pry a little bit. And it usually all starts off with a po- the political thing. Yeah, how the conversation starts because everybody has the same mindset pretty much out here. Um, they see the they see a spiraling uh, due to the due to the certain the, the lack of leadership or the poor leadership. Uh, and knowing that and knowing what the economy is doing, um, folks that read the Bible. Uh, know what it says in Revelations, and we're seeing this stuff come to pass, um, you know, you just you get more folks that they find out what you're into, and they'll actually start coming to you. Really? And I've had, I've had several, several people come to me uh, and ask my input on things. And... Folks are hungry for knowledge, especially when when they feel a, a time of crisis is coming up. Folks are hungry for knowledge, so I share with them what I know, and then they get really, really intrigued. Like, wow, you guys have done your homework, type of thing. I'm like, well, you know, hey, we're, you know, we we have get-togethers every couple weeks and, and discuss things, and of course, you know, due to opsec reasons or whatever, Joe and I will discuss everything first about before we bring somebody out. Um, you know, because it's just, it's just the way we are. I, I'm all about security and, and of course this is the business Joe is in. So, you know, we, we discuss things and, and, you know, how well we know this person and, and we may hold somebody off a little bit and, and, and talk to them until we kind of get a feel of them and where they're coming from. Uh, but for the most part, everybody's got the same, the same desire, uh, I think a lot of mine is my experience. I was also in the Northridge earthquake in California in 94. Oh, so you have something in common with Dave Mallon. I have a lot in common. I was, I was just a matter of a few miles north of him when it happened. And everything that I, I really got into that, into that podcast and 
was just I couldn't get on the forum fast enough. You know? <laughs> Sorry it took me so long to get your account approved. <laughs> oh, that's okay. You know, but I know you're busy, but uh, uh, yeah, I was I, that right there. That was my my first stuff hits the fan moment, really, uh, that I dealt with personally and. You know, I had had already had food food storage and bulk paper storage and, and, and stuff like that already before that. And it's kind of ironic. It's just the way I was brought up. So I was actually a small supply center for my apartment complex for, for a couple of days. Well, now that's interesting. So since you brought up this earthquake, talk about what, what, would, what would you say were the top two things that helped you get through that? Um, <laughs> I guess... Training, um, keeping keeping your wits about you because I'm going to tell you what it's really easy to throw your hands up in the air and just lose your mind. Okay, I mean, just oh my god, what do I do now? You know, I think that my my ground level of, of uh, my foundation was knowing that hey, you know, I've got some food. I can't go anywhere in my car because the overpass across from my apartment kept, was like a teeter-totter. Mm-hmm. Every aftershock, which those happened every 10 to 30 seconds. Um, so I couldn't go anywhere, but knowing that I had food and water, that I'd be able to sustain myself for, for a little bit until FEMA and everybody else showed up, which it took three days. Uh, I think it just gave me the peace of mind. I'm like, you know, I... I I had my car to sleep in, if nothing else. At the time, I had a 65 bug, and I'm six foot one, so that could work out quite not nicely, but it was an option. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like that could be a problem. <laughs> but, you know, I, it was, it was, uh, it was just, I don't know, I had, I had a piece about me because I felt like I was prepared as much as I could be prepared living in an apartment. And my biggest thing at that point, I think my biggest driven force was to help other people. You know, yeah. and it goes along the lines of what James Wesley Rawls writes in his books. You know, you, you, you prep enough for yourself, but also remember your Christian your Christian values, you know, we're supposed to help other people, okay? But that doesn't mean they put tents in your yard, all right? You, you help them to get them along their way. And that, that, that value I, I, I fully believe in. Yeah, me too. I've always been a little bit turned off. You know, sometimes I read on forums where somebody will post something like, you know, they'll say, well, to hell with everybody else. You know, I'm, I'm prepping for me. I'm not prepping for everybody else. And you know, to me, that that's not the Christian attitude. No, it's, to me, it's also not, not the right thing. I, I think, you know, you, you guys build prepper teams for a reason uh, because you want to help each other. But there might be somebody that's in need that's not in your team and, and they may have something that they can help you with. Exactly. And, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. And, and really, that's, that's the East Texas way. You know, Joe and I both are from California. And we've been, I, I've been out here 17 years. Um, I, I love, the, the, love the culture here. I can't get enough of it. Um, the neighborly aspect of, of folks out here. You know, I have a neighbor that out of my new place that, is you know he has cattle and stuff like that he's not, he's not a big a big gun person well i am yeah um, you know we're we look out for each other you know we we has he has problems with predators out there so you know but knowing when we have a, a stuff hits a fan scenario coming up 
you know, we, he and I have discussed this. He's my neighbor. I'm going to take care of my neighbor. And he'll in turn take care of me. You know, that's the kind of network you build. Yeah, I think I think you're right on. Joe, I wanted to ask you a question. You know, you said you started doing this to kind of keep your mind busy. What? How, how did it do that? What What did you start doing that, that occupied your your mind and your time? Because I know you were going through a, a difficult time, and you put, you put a little bit of that on the forum, and you don't have to get detailed, but what was it that kept you occupied? Uh, well, it, you know, it was, it was, what it was was it was a heartbreaking separation and divorce, and it was basically, I had my own company, but my problem was I actually had to shut my company down because when I had my kids, I didn't have time to take care of kids and do invoicing paperwork bids and get ready for the next day. So I shut it down and was basically working for another company, and that worked for a little while, but it was just got to be... It was owning you. Yeah, I mean, I was, it was just, it was killing me. Yeah. So I got to where I was having, I was reading a lot, and that kind of took me away, and it separated me, but it also gave, it, it made it to where I would do research, and yeah. I was doing research on top of research, and just reading everything I could, so it, it took me away from all of my problems, and in that, um, I can get a little ADD, so... I would take the research I would do and I'd write documents on it. Okay, so that's could, interesting. Yeah, so therefore I could turn around and I could re-read it or hand it out and go through it. You ever thought about selling some of those documents? Uh, actually, I've got a book right now going to the publisher and I'm working on three more. That's terrific. Well, uh, please make sure that you make me aware of it and uh, I'll help you get some sales out there. Well, I'll put you on the front and back cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, Glenn Tate, I know you're listening, so there you go. Um, I, I only made the front cover of Glenn's book, so I'll make the front and back of yours. <laughs> I mean, really, and, and like you know, like Dave was mentioning earlier, um, how he kind of reaches out to people and he finds things. One of the things that really impresses people, we, we get together pretty much every weekend. We kind of have a family barbecue or get together or whatever. One of the things that really impressed people when they come out and hang out with us is that we really work as a team. I mean, during hunting season, we were, you know, spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars having our game processed. And we realized we could do that ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we actually started teaching people how to process their own game. And hey, I need to learn how to do that. Well, yeah, and but, but for us, it's easy. Um, we invested the first year and got all our own equipment. So what was kind of cool was is that we do everything on our on our own. We've got a process down to where we do it, and people are like, you know, this is great because we do we we try to do absolutely everything we can on our own, but we make it fun. And people come out for barbecues, and we'll get a phone call and go, hey, we got a pig over here. All right, we'll be right over, and we go do it. We deal with it, and everybody's like, I've never. You guys work like a military unit. Well, yeah, we do. You know, we're talking trash to each other the whole time. We're having fun, but it's just. So to watch all of us getting together is just is just a crack up because we're having fun. Yeah, that's pretty good. You know, and that's what it's all about having fun. You know, you brought up something uh, earlier. Well, actually, you brought it up earlier, and you brought it up now. It's about having fun. This has to be enjoyable. It can't be something that you dread, or you're not going to keep doing it. Well, and and you'll have setbacks when you're doing something, whether it be gardening or 
chickens or rabbits or whatever it is that you're doing that's your prepper thing, you're going to have setbacks. But it's like I've killed as many chickens as I've raised just because I didn't know what I was doing and I tried to do a shortcut and it didn't, didn't work. But what I try to do is I take my mistakes and make sure somebody else doesn't make those. Yeah. So when we have all of this stuff, all of a sudden, you know, it's like, you know, Dave, Dave's new place is getting ready. He's moving out of town. He's got, he's got a second place out in the country, and he's getting ready to move out there. Well, I've got 47 chickens waiting on Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> and, Dave's, and Dave, I've already been through the mistakes of my chicken coop and my, you know, letting them run around the yard, and I know when they can come, when they can go, all this kind of stuff. So we've already got Dave set up, and now we're like, okay, Dave, we need to get your, you know, your chicken boxes built. And we'll all go over, we'll spend a half a day building chicken boxes, and then we'll barbecue and hang out. But we, we actually, I don't, we, nobody can know everything. No. And so, that's, you know, you just, uh, you just brought up a good point, Joe. Nobody can know everything. And that's why you need to get to know other preppers in your area. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm like you. I don't like car payments. Right. So I have two vehicles that have been paid for for years. And because they're older and paid for, they tend to have mechanical problems. I was driving down the road the other day, you know, or here a couple months ago, and I was trying to leave my driveway, and I heard a pop. And I'm not a mechanic. I hate cars. I mean, Me I don't even want to put the gas in them. I want somebody else to do it. But working with Dave, who is a mechanic, I have we have been through enough vehicles and problems that I know exactly what the problem was. And I got out of the vehicle, got up under the hood in my driveway. In 15 minutes, I was back on the road. Well, nice job, Dave. You've taught him well. Uh, Lass, I don't know everything. The computer's giving me a little throw it off, but uh, yeah, that's that's one of my one of my strong suits. The biggest, the best mechanic is one that can troubleshoot. Uh, you troubleshoot a problem accurately, and and you're faster faster getting back on the road, but. Uh, yeah, that's, that's just one of my strong suits, and you know I, I share that information. Joe, I, you know, this one that's another thing that you know I'll teach Joe, you know, because you know it's like the electrical or mechanical anything. You know, you get your hands on and do it. That's the best way of learning, and yeah. that's the whole that's the whole premise behind when we have our, our our meetings is it's hands on. Hands on is very important. You can tell people, you give people literature all day long, but until they actually do it, it doesn't stick. You know, and that, that rates up through processing animals. Everything that we've done, we do, we're all hands-on about everything. And, and that's to me, is the bottom line for learning. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, Joe, you mentioned something just a minute ago where you were talking... Oh God! I just had a, a, a brain fade. I hate that. I had a, I had a, I had a, a, had it come into my mind, and then it just zapped out. Oh, I was going to ask you a question. I was going to key in on something that you said, and and uh, oh, cars, cars. That's what it was. You said you hate car payments as much as much as I do. You know, I have never had a year where I have spent more in repairs than I would have spent in car payments. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I've i got a truck and I've got a van, and my van sat back here for sale for two years. And it ran fine. It just it wasn't as sexy as my truck. It's my, it was my mom mobile because I have to pull both sides, you know, the man and the woman. With, when I got the kids, I got to do the laundry and all that. Mm-hmm. But I just let that van sit there, and I wasn't going to take a loss on it. I mean, like, hey, it was 
I'll sell it to you, and but I'm not giving it away, and you're not making payments if you want to buy it. Well, that was until I had something happen with my truck. And I took my truck in. They towed it in. Okay, they got it fit. It's going to be $1,000. Okay, that's pretty catastrophic. But it doesn't matter because I had my second vehicle that I had up in an hour and a half. You know, fresh gas, check tires, get the battery charged, get it running. Boom, I'm back on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, and now it's, you know, now I'm sitting here and the guy's got my truck still. He's like, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, make you three payments of, you know, $350 and I can have my truck back. But $350 would be a cheap car payment on a monthly basis. Oh, yeah. And, you know, buying cars on, on payments is just, it's, I'm a firm believer it's one of the biggest waste of money that you can engage in. Yeah, I don't think I've paid over $500 in a year on vehicle repair. If you have a vehicle, you still have to put gas in it. You still have to do your oil changes. So that's all kind of mute point. You know, I haven't paid over $500 a year in vehicle repair, so I don't make payments. So when I get a $500 repair bill, it doesn't really bother me that much. Well, you're lucky you got a guy like Dave because I don't. And so sometimes I'll spend... You know, eight hundred to a thousand bucks. But you know, think about it. Uh, what what kind of car can you buy where your payments are only eight hundred to a thousand dollars a year? Exactly. Exactly. Well, and you know, we we teach each other each other things. We have other people that you know that are in our group that that have other things. Um, I, you know, one of the ones that, that really sticks out is that I had I was the initial person. Um, showing people how to clean game and, you know, deer and pigs and whatever else. And Dave was there learning with me and we did that. But now I don't think I've cleaned a deer in two years because now Dave cleans the deer and he has people he's teaching. (laughs) So I stand back kind of as, you know, as, as support to show them what they're doing because the best way to to learn something is to teach it. Absolutely. I love your philosophy. Teach people how to do it so eventually they can do the work for you. Well, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, that's not actually the goal, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, Dave being in there hands-on, he's learning it, you know, and it, it, it's worked the other way because I can jump under my hood and do stuff that I wouldn't, you know, normally be able to do. I mean, Dave's got me. He's like, hey, you know, that, that van's got a little bit of a whistle. Go down and get you a serpentine belt and carry, carry it in the vehicle. Well, that's, you know, that's a $25, $30 belt that, is in my van, and when it goes, in 20 minutes, I can have it back up and running. That's a good point. You know, the philosophy of teaching people to do something so they can do it for you, it works with most people except kids. Yeah, yeah. I, I taught them to take out the trash, but they still don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. So, Joe, you carry around a serpentine belt, huh? Yeah, just Dave, Dave will, you know, say, hey, I, you got a little tick going on over there, and he'll just he'll see something like, okay, and so... You know, I'll just go down and get what I think I'm going to need, and I'm all set. Um, another one is is when we get into, you know, uh, the stink hit and the fan scenario is that I've got all the oil and all the filters for both vehicles to do two oil changes on both of them. But when it's time for an oil change, I still go down to the oil change place and let them do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it only doing it myself only saves me about $4. This is more convenient, and that's part of my storage stuff. That's my just-in-case stuff. Yeah, it's not worth doing it yourself to save $4. 
Right, but but later on down the road when something happens, yeah, I'm going to have to do it myself. Right, so you know how to do it, but you just don't want to do it regularly to save four bucks, but you got the supplies so that in case you can't have somebody else do it, you know how to do it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've, got, I've got so much stuff stored down there that it's, it's in my shop, it's just crazy. I mean, there's something else that, that I started doing because to me things have to be kind of systematic and... Dave had brought it up here a while back. He had borrowed some money out of his 401k. And I'm like, well, how's that work? And he's like, well, I borrowed, you know, such and such amount of dollars. And when I pay it back, I pay myself back and I have to pay myself interest. And I was like, okay. Well, I got thinking about that with my, uh, with my storage and my pantry down there in my shop. Is that every now and then I look at something and I'm like, oh, well, I need two cans of corn for this recipe. Well, I don't have it in the house. So what I'll do is I'll go down to my shop, I'll pull out two cans, and I'll write myself a note that I took two cans. When I go to the store, I have to buy two cans for the house, because that's what I need. I needed for the house. I have to buy two cans to replace what was in my pantry, and then I have to pay my penalty or my interest to myself and buy myself an additional two cans for having used it. Okay. So, I mean, the house gets its corn back, but I have to pay myself interest for diddling into my supplies. That's a good way to look at it. Right? That's kind of a cool philosophy. Uh, I, I, hate, I hate the fact that when you borrow money out of a 401k, you're borrowing your own money and have to pay interest. But I like the way that you use that as an example as to how you prep. Yeah, well, because you're paying yourself. It doesn't bother me if I'm paying myself back. True. So that's just, I mean, to me, that's the way, that's another way of doing when you start building on it. Is like, okay, well, I, I didn't properly plan for this event, you know, this barbecue or whatever, so I have to penalize myself by paying the piper, which is me. But my stores go up incredibly quick that way. Yeah, good point. You know, guys, you talked about that you get together and you do things and you're hands-on when you get together in these meetings. Talk a little bit lately about some of the things that you've been doing. Oh, wow. Um We've done a map reading course. We did a water purification class. Food storage. Food storage. Uh, Yeah, food storage with buckets and dry ice. Water purification we did with uh, the small pocket pens. Um, I've got uh, the old porcelain filter that's similar to the Berkey. Um, That's a class I give regularly. we did a little class on encryption, so when we're talking on radios, people don't necessarily know what we're talking about. Good. <laughs> well, and, and you know, and you can come up with your own encryption, and we've got ways around that. Um, all kinds of stuff. Food storage. Uh, it got into uh, medical bags. No, medical um, bags. Yeah, medical bags. Medical bags are are a a huge strong point with Joe and you know, the, the amount of, of medical supplies that you can actually get from the vet and from places like tractor supply, you know, without the outrageous markup, um, you know, things like uh, vet wrap, you know, versus ACE bandages. You know, I, I own four horses. Uh, you know, I, I keep veterinary supplies on hand out there at the farm. You know, you have to when you own, you own a lot large animals like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to reiterate on the horse thing, my horses aren't pasture pets. They they all have a function. 
Um, that's, that's something else that's very important. Uh, that some folks that own horses don't really realize that they need to be ridden and they need to be worked. And my son is very good about keeping, and my and my wife too, are both both very good about keeping them ridden and, and, and in shape and, and you know used. So, so they, you get on them and they don't go stupid on you. So. You know, there, there's things like that. Uh, you know, penicillin. You can buy a large bottle of penicillin. You know, for what what it costs? Seven bucks for, Seven bucks, for like yeah. four ounces at practice yeah, supply. I mean, you know, and I just keep it refrigerated in my shop. Uh, you know, things like that. I mean, there's 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 just a ton of ways. You just got you just got to look and and know what they are and, and know that that you know just because it may be a veterinary supply that you know it, it, it can be used by humans too. I mean, you got to be careful with a lot of that, but uh, you know, there, there's things like that that you put it, you put in with your medical kit. There's, you know, Joe, like I said, that's, that's one of the very strong, his strong points is, is the medical, the, the, the medical teaching. And it's really, our classes, what we get the most out of is, is we want people to be interactive. You know, I don't want to see folks sitting in, you know, if we're having a, a classroom session, you know, they have that cow staring at a new gate look. Yeah. You know, I want to see, you know, I want to know that they understand entirely what we're talking about. You know, we went through the map reading and a little bit of touch base, a little bit on the encryption thing. And, and that that was a little bit a little bit difficult for some folks to understand. Well, Joe and I, having been in the military, we can look at a map. I mean, actually, you get that in basic training. Uh, but, you know, a lot of folks in the civilian world, they'll look at, a map with, you know, draws and valleys, and, and, and they won't know what they're looking at. They won't know how to read it. You know, much less, you know, read a compass or, or you know, how, how to get from point A to point B, you know, using a compass heading and, and that type of thing. Um, you know, stuff like that. I, I kind of stand back as a buffer with Joe when, when we're having a class to kind of read people and see if they're, they're getting it or not. See, when, when we do the classes, like on the map class, that was one where I, I was giving the class and I was going over it, and Dave sits in the background and observes. And one of the things that I think we learned being in the military was that people learn different things at different levels or in different ways. You know, you've got to see it, touch it, feel it, hear it, all of these different methods, and everybody doesn't always get everything at the same level. So mm -hmm. when we were doing the map class, Dave's like, okay, hang on a second, Joe. He goes, you know, uh, this guy over here looks a little confused. Can you break that down a little farther? And I break it down, and, you know, then he's like, okay, he got it a little bit. He's like, okay, let's do it another way. And we did it the third way, and it wasn't that he, that he, was, that he, wasn't, that he wasn't intelligent. He just he couldn't absorb the data properly. And on the third attempt, coming at it from a different angle, like, oh, okay, I get it now. I see, I see what you're talking about. And then all of the other methods, he fully understood again. Yeah, okay. Because people understand things at, at different levels in different ways. Well, yeah, they do. And, and by doing it, they, you know, they can go through the learning process pretty much as they, in, in a way that's the most comfortable for them. Right, right. And here a minute ago, David, David mentioned the medical bags. Um, the medical bags that really that really became a, it was almost a fetish. It was kind of weird because I have my bug out bag and my, because I'm like you and I travel so far. My bug out bag weighs in excess of sixty pounds. Wow! And it and it is my get home bag. 
I mean, from East Texas, I can get a call and have to be in Abilene that day and then try to drive home the same day. So if something happens and I'm somewhere between here and Abilene, it's a long walk. <laughs> I'm prepared for that. Well, I had a really small general first aid kit, and I, I kind of had somebody look at you know my stuff, and they're like, well, your medical kit's kind of inadequate. And I'm like, okay. So I started adding to it and adding to it and liquid Band-Aid and all this other stuff. And then um, I was actually out processing a, a pig that we had had on ice for about a week, and I was out there just working it, getting ready to throw it in the freezer, and I made a dumb mistake. My phone buzzed, and I got a text. And I had to look over at my phone at the wrong moment, and I put a knife through my hand. Oh, no. Yeah, so that wasn't good. So I'd had a couple of medical kits, and I kind of got, I, it took me a little while, but I got the bleeding stopped. Um, I called a girl who was, my, who was my medical trainer. She was... She was she was a big time prepper, and she's not and she moved on now. But she uh, she told me what I needed to do. I'm like okay, and she said I can't be there for about two days. I'm like okay, so she told me how to keep it clean. So for two days, I just kept bandages on it. I kept a rubber glove on it when I was working, and neosporin. And three days later, she came out and she opened up her suture kit right here on my kitchen table and stitched my hand closed. Wow. And what was really cool was I got to see how actually easy it was. And then I got with her on the supplies, and I went on to Amazon. I think that was my first Amazon order through your site. And I ordered, it was like 100 suture kits, I mean sutures, for like $48. And nice. it says that they're for practice use, but they're all FDA approved. They weren't expired. No, they are just excess well then they're good thanks for for ordering them on my site too appreciate that oh yeah yeah so i mean and and then all of a sudden it became then i got the whole suture kits and and then my medical bag was i don't know it was it was four by four by eight and it was on my bag and then i had so much stuff i couldn't get it in the bag <laughs> so then i had to get a bigger bag so i got a bigger bag and then I saw another bag that even looked bigger, and I wanted to get it, but I didn't like it. So now I've got three medical bags. I've got one with my bug-out kit in my vehicle. I've got one in the house. Um, I went to Sam's and for like $35 bought a mountable OSHA-approved first aid kit that mounts down in my shop. And I've also got a huge paramedic bag that I'm just stocking with excess stuff that I find on sale that is good equipment because if, if the stink hits the fan... I don't have to be a doctor or a paramedic. I just need the doctor or the paramedic. I've got the supplies. Yeah, well, and, you know, that. so so that's all in your get-home bag. Yeah, my yeah. well, my bug-out bag, my first aid kit is actually a separate bag. It's about the size of a standard lunchbox, I guess. Okay. But I use it pretty much on a weekly basis because I'm not working. I'll cut myself or something, and I'll go out, and I'll just... I'll put, I'll clean it up. I've got all the Benadine and all the stuff for it, and I'll bandage it, and I'll put one of those little, looks like a little condom thing over your finger to keep you from messing it up, and I'll go back to work. Yeah, you know, what do you guys think of this? I've always kind of thought that a bug-out bag serves, you know, more than just one purpose. It, it People shouldn't just look at it as something you're going to grab in the emergency. It's kind of also a good place to store all of your most needed supplies all in one spot. Well, and 
so a lot the bug out bag thing that I've seen, I've been looking and listening to a bunch of the stuff that you've been putting out and other people and a lot of people they're they're using a bug out bag to bug out. Our bug out bags are actually actually get home bags because we don't live in the city. Right. So we live in our retreats. Right. So our retreats have got all of our stuff. But yeah, the bug out bags for us are get home bags. Well, and, and to elaborate on that, Bob is is we also have. You know, I do personally. I have I have a, a small storage cache here at Joe's because Joe's house happens to be right at the halfway point from my job to my home that I have in town and my and my farm. Yeah, which we'll be moving to later. Well, in the event of an EMP, it, you know, if that was to happen, I have to walk. I know how long it's going to take me to walk. It's ten miles. Okay, I know how long it's going to take me to get here. I carry what I just my basic necessities in my truck to get here. Okay, and my and my family knows my family knows the plan. We we've, we've gone over this plan. We know, you know, we 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 know what, what what all of us needs to do. I get here. I have stuff here. I can stay here and camp out. I can grab another weapon and I can move on. Uh, be it out to the farm or wherever I need to go. I've got stuff, of course, I'm kind of in a transition phase between old house and, and the new place. Uh, new place I basically have designed around, Joe and I both have designed it around the prepper mentality. Um, and it's, I, I've been just really, really impressed the way it's been coming along. Uh, it's been a, it's been a four year venture of building this place and it's been cash all the way across the board. There's no, no bank involved with this. No bank, no inspector, no nothing. You know, I, I've that's got, awesome. You know, and everything is everything is 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 uh, you know I've, I've got the stuff that needs to be taken care of. Those involved have been involved with it, but as far as the way it's set up, um, I just set this up with with this in mind. You know, survivability. I've got I've got a freshwater pond. I believe I mentioned it on the forum. Um, in a couple places, but I've got a freshwater pond. I got a well. Um, my neighbor's got got a deep well that I can access. Um, we have livestock. I have the horses. You know, you know, and, and of course we're bringing the tra- transition chickens over there and everything else. But you know, with that in mind, though, in, in, in a bug out situation, I can get here and then I can turn around and another three hours, three and a half hours. I can I can get across and don't have to use back roads. I can get across just as a bird flies, just because I know the area out here to the farm. And worst case scenario, if I got to bail out of the farm, I have another another location to go to. That's basically I want to call it the Alamo. That's my last stand. I'm too fat and old to run any farther. <laughs> but, <laughs> but where that you know, comes in is that's part of the network. These were all. Every one of these places that Dave's using as a waypoint or as a as a cash point, we were all one group. Right. But right. now we all have our own retreats, so everybody's retreat becomes every every guy's backup retreat. Well, that was I was going to ask you a question, Dave. Is uh, this this retreat you're building? Is this going to be a permanent residence or just simply a retreat? No, it's it's my permanent residence. Okay, so you're moving. I'm moving. I, I've got, actually got somebody coming out this weekend looking at my old place. 
uh, I own a section of property uh, in town um, that's there. I have a couple investors looking at actually wanting to buy the property to build apartments on. Um, that being said and done, I spell that and I will be, I mean, I'm not in debt up to my eyeballs, but I'll be completely debt free and be able to invest more money into my other place in the form of tractor and, and, and you know, newer tractor and stuff like that, front end loader, uh, and get some other things done out there, uh, that I would like to get done from, you know, rainwater catch and catching and, uh, Joe and I've developed a system that we're going to implement out there just the way my house has been laid out as far as foundation wise. Uh, we have a really cool system set up that we want to implement, uh, just for another way of catching water and water storage. Um, but yeah, it's this is going to be a permanent residence. Uh, I took last week off, and that's what I did for nine days was work on that, and it's actually livable now. But I'm I'm trying to trying to be patient. As hard as it is, I want to get out there so bad. Uh, just knowing what this place is going to be, what and what it's what it started out from, and what it is now, it's just really cool to see to walk into it and know, you know what, I own this outright. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, the best awesome part. awesome feeling in the world. You, you know, even my place in town, we paid it off last year, you know. So it's nice at, at, at my age to have have that. And I've been blessed along the way, uh, you know, with, with, with a couple financial financial things that have happened and have helped us out. And, and But I've taken that money and I've rolled it into something that, that – is 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 an is an asset that's that's gonna gonna provide for us until you know it's time to go see the Lord. So that's that's the way I look at it. Yeah, that's excellent. That's uh, that's a phenomenal philosophy, and and I'm glad you're setting that up. When's it gonna be finished? Well, we should, we hope to be in it here this summer. So uh, my wife would like us to be in it like two weeks ago, but <laughs> <laughs> it's. You know, it's been it's been a slow process. Like I said, it's been a paycheck to paycheck deal, and it's been you know I put a little bit of money, and Joe and I both. I mean, we we both we get our heads together on something, and and we'll look at it and be like, okay, why don't we try it this way? And it's just what it's like Joe said earlier. It's one of those V eight moments. And this <laughs> place has just transitioned into 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 a really cool prepper house. I mean, this is what it's turning into, and you know, I'm I'm really really just excited about it uh you know I, I my ultimate goal of course is to be self-sufficient like everybody um you know we've got i've got folks in my group that have solar solar generators i have a uh a, a 10,000 watt gas generator that's actually out here right now that i'll be moving back uh you know that type of thing i'm, I'm all about trying to be self-sufficient one of the one of the funny takes on when we were building the house was that uh um, I'm actually an electrician as well, so we just spent the summer out there and wired his house. And when we were getting ready to, well, before the electrician stuff started, we were framing in the roof, and it's a metal building. So Dave was wanting to go with a little more of a cathedral-style ceiling. I'm like, Dave, uh, how big is the house? And he told me how what the square footage was. I'm like, if you go with a normal roof or a normal ceiling and make it flat, we could put paneling on top, and you just doubled your square footage. 
Yep. And how, and how many square feet is it? It's, it's just 1,500 square feet. 1,500 square wow. feet, but guess what? It has 1,400 square foot of storage above. Wow. The entire attic is decked. Wow. Wow. That's... We was like, well, maybe we'll just. I'm like, no, dude, just spend the money. Let's go put a ladder in. Well, that's a lot of good storage spaces. De- you know, decking that entire attic up there. Right, and then then putting in uh, uh, a cooling system where I can actually. I've been looking at storage and, and keeping things cool. I put a cooling system in up there that's overkill for the place, but with that in mind, upstairs of of keeping, and of course, everything's out out of sight. You know, mm-hmm. and that's one thing I'm, I am about about things is I want to keep my stores out of sight and harder to get to because that way it's not so easy for, you know, to go in and say, you know what, I just need to get this out, out of the out of the food storage and, and I'll replace it later and then it doesn't get replaced. And, you know, you start you start dwindling your stores down. That's that's where my stuff you went know. from a little shop here behind my house down to my shop was because every time I turned around, you know, somebody would go, well, oh, I just saw, you know, a case of water out here. I'll go get that. I'm like, no. <laughs> so you got to move it out of everybody's sight. Well, out of sight, out of mind. That's that's the truth. Yeah. So, and of course, we still exercise the FIFO first in, first out of food stores. Uh, you know, I, I I bring in water cases of water periodically, and and I always drop thirty percent of what I bring in here, uh, because I work I work for a, a water company, and anyway. I bring in thirty percent here, and I drop it here to help this, you know, to help Joe's area, and then I bring the rest out to to my place and put up. And we've got a little bit of a pretty good little cache of water going on. Not to mention, like I said earlier, I've got a spring-fed pond, and I've got two wells out there I can pull off of. And we, yeah, and with that, and we're just now you know. getting into the rain catch systems. It was just one of those things, watching it rain on a storm here a little while ago, and we started designing systems, and well. It rained here this morning uh, for about a half an hour, and I've got a 100-gallon rain barrel outside that filled up in 10 minutes. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, so, and you know, and everybody's like, well, you know, you got shingles, you can't really drink it. Yeah, but my garden, my herbs love it. They love it. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah. Um, you know, and something that, you know, we were, David mentioned earlier that a lot of people, I think, think is strange is that, you know, people, Dave just shows up. Dave does whatever Dave wants to do. And Dave does. I mean, my place is open to Dave. And the reason is, and this goes back to part of the one of the things you have to do with a when you come up with a prepper group, is that you need to hang out together. You need to have barbecues together because you need to get to know each other. And Dave has full run of anything on my property, and I'm kind of the same way over there because I trust him with anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And that takes a little bit of time to do. So for people who want to get a prepper team, you can't just prep and meet once a month. You actually need to hang out because people have quirks. And we've had people that we've released from the group because their quirks were more than we could handle. Yeah, I bet and they probably that's, are. That's in a good situation. Now, when the situation gets bad, those quirks get flared. Um, you know, I mean, we started out with three families, 11 people in one retreat. You know, and now we're, you know, three retreats at three retreats and yeah. twice that many people, because I guess people come out here and they see what we're doing and that we've kind of got a plan together. And I think it was a couple of years ago, right when I 
right after I started going through my separation and divorce, my dad and stepmom moved out here. My sister and her family moved out here. And then my daughter and her family moved up from Austin. Yeah. So in a matter of six months, you know, I had 15 extra people floating around. And it becomes contagious, doesn't it? Yeah, and everybody just loves it because, you know, uh, we used to do Sunday barbecues. And one of my daughters said, hey, can we do it on Saturday because i got to get kids ready for school. Okay. But it's, yeah, like Thanksgiving, there's 30 people here. Easy. Nice. Yeah, nice. I mean, and Dave does a deep-fried turkey. I do it traditional. Dave's wife likes to do a ham. We do that. Somebody else does a, a smoked turkey. It's We're a family. And that's the way it's got to be. That's actually a pretty good stopping point there. Um, i got to run out to dinner pretty soon in a couple minutes. But I, I like that last point you just made there, Joe. That's kind of the way you got to set it up if you're going to put together a team. Yeah, we're, we're, it's, it's a lifestyle. We're, we're all running the same lifestyle. We're a family. I mean, everybody always asks Dave, hey, where's your Mexican brother? I'm like, he'll be along here shortly. <laughs> That's good. Well, Joe and Dave, thanks a lot. I appreciate you taking this time. This was good. I got a feeling I, we need to do a part two. Oh, yeah, I think so, because we just touched We just touched the top of the iceberg. We're, yeah, just, getting, we, we're just getting started. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We this this and we do this every day. We'll get together and have these conversations. So we appreciate you, Bob, and everything you do, and you've kind of really helped us along our path. I mean, I turned Dave onto your show and the forum and everything else, and uh, we've got our own little group page, and we tell everybody to come in and listen to what you're doing. Thank you, I appreciate that. Well, and I'll keep it up. You guys will get to listen to yourself starting tomorrow. Right. Yeah, I love me. <laughs> let's do part two in a couple weeks. Okay, let us, good. let us know. In the meantime, uh, take care of your family, Bob. Uh, like Dave said, you know we're praying for you. Uh, everybody out there, all your listeners, have your back. If you need anything, or if you've got to go somewhere, you know, put it out there that hey, you've got to go here for whatever for a doctor's appointment, and you know, I'm sure that somebody will be there to help you out, put you up, whichever, because you're great. I very much appreciate that, Joe. Thanks a whole bunch. And if you guys if you guys need a break, I mean, our homes are open to you, buddy. Might take you up on that. Like I tell people, don't be afraid. Don't be surprised if I take you up on that. <laughs> uh, we're, we're some pretty scary looking guys. Come on up. <laughs> we'll, we'll look past that. All right, <laughs> you guys have a good evening. Take it easy. All right, Bob. Right, you have a good dinner. Thanks. Bye. Well, many thanks to Dave and Joe. Thanks for your time, guys. We're probably going to do a part two. I know that there's more that those guys want to say, but I really like that teamwork. I'm really impressed with that. That's pretty good. You know, I've got a couple of friends that we kind of prep in a lot of different ways. We're, we're gun fanatics, so we do that. But we also believe in storing food and growing gardens and storing water and all the necessary supplies and things. So we do that. We all have bug out bags. We all have emergency kits, get home bags, whatever you want to talk about, call them and storage and so forth in our homes. So that's what it's all about. It's all about taking personal responsibility. So Joe and Dave, thank you very much. You gave me some ideas. I hope you give the listeners some ideas. I do want to say this. If you'd like to support the work that I do here on today's survival show, I don't have any sponsors, no paid sponsors for a reason. I don't want it to be real commercial. If you can, uh, I've got a good survival champions club. It's a collection of premium podcasts. Uh, with a lot of good information and good interviews, if you go to todayssurvival.com and click the Survival Champions Club, 
link on the website, Survival Champions Club. You'll, you'll get a chance to see what it's all about. Glenn Tate's on there. White Bear's on there. And by the way, don't forget about Glenn Tate's book. You can buy it from my Amazon store. And another way you can support the show, if you don't mind, is when you make a purchase on Amazon. Go to the Amazon store link at todayssurvival.com. Buy whatever you want from Amazon through my link, and I'll get some credit for it. A lot of you do it. Thank you very much. Uh, it helps. That's kind of a way to help support the show and, and, and support the work that I do here. Bookmark that link or save it or just go back to my page every time you want to buy something on Amazon. Don't forget about book five of Glenn Tate's book called The Visitors. I'm on the front cover. Uh, I've been hearing great reviews on it, and I think you're going to like that. So you can find that at my website, too. With all that said, thank you very much, folks. I appreciate you listening to another episode of today's survival show it's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are i'm bob main your host and i will talk to you next week thank you